Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, and today joined by Newcastle United editor Aaron Stokes. All being well, this will be our regular Monday show as we look back on the weekend. Unfortunately for this episode, the debut episode, Newcastle were defeated 5-1 by Spurs at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Fair to say, Aaron, for your first game as Newcastle United editor, you would have wished for not just a better result, but a better performance as well. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think I came in at the wrong time, you know, joined the team and we had two weeks of international break. You know, I was just waiting and waiting, counting down the days for a game finally and then it came along and it really did disappoint. So, yeah, I think things can only get better from here, can't they? Um, you know, first off, Newcastle, they were all right. Obviously, they took the lead through Fabian Cher, but they looked organised and disciplined. And then the second half was was it was very Jekyll and Hyde. It was a it was an awful second half performance. One of the the worst performances we've seen, I think, under Eddie Howe. Many people pointing back that Leicester City defeat in early December as a comparison, and obviously they were they were thumped down there at King Power. What did you make of the contrast in performances in, in both halves against Spurs? Yeah, look, I mean, the, the game started, you know, it wasn't the best. You know, the first 10 or 15 minutes didn't seem like Newcastle, you know, had any intention of getting the ball. You know, I think the possession was something like 82% for Spurs in the first 15 minutes. Newcastle obviously grew into the game after that. I thought sort of the from the 15th minute on at half-time, you know, it was much improved, it was much better. They were, you know, looking to get forward. You know, obviously Shaw scored, maybe a bit fortunate with a goal with Loris, you know, just getting a hand of it. But... The, the contrast, it was, it was just like watching two different teams, you know. It's very, very rare that you see that under Eddie Howe that they do collapse. Obviously, you know, you touched on Leicester there, um, which was sort of a similar, you know, setup in the game. So, look, I think it's a, it's a bit of a reality check. It's a bit of a wake-up call, you know. They've sort of pulled clear of the relegation zone and everyone's, you know, already thinking the next season. But I think until they're mathematically safe, you know, needs to sort of just be feet on the ground still. So, yeah, look, it was really disappointing. And I think, uh, you know, how touching it in his press conference after that, you know, he was he was even surprised at how sort of quickly they collapsed and fell away. So, yeah, really, really sort of a a reminder that, you know, the season's not done yet. No, I think anyhow has been really keen to to make sure that not just the players but the fans understand that and we'll we'll listen now to what Eddie Howe had to say after the game this is a, a clip from his press conference yeah I think uh, first half I thought we did we did very well I think maybe a, a slightly nervous opening to the game I thought 10 minutes we were maybe a bit too deep um, but then I thought we started to get to grips with things and we produced a very good performance up until the moment where Fabian scored really I thought um, we'd frustrated them we'd controlled the areas that they'd They'd hurt us with with the ball and um, yeah, hugely disappointed to go in at one all because um, bar a few nervy moments, as I say at the start, I thought we'd control them. Is it the nature of the goals that probably might disappoint you the most, how you conceded them in the second half? 
Yeah, I think the key goal is the, is the second goal. I think the manner of it from our perspective was was really disappointing, especially so close to half-time and we needed to feel our way into the second half. We didn't allow ourselves to do that. And I think then we chased the game in a... It depends which way you look at it, in a, in a very aggressive way um, and probably played in a way that we we shouldn't have done. You know, we became very expansive, we took risks with the ball and too early in the game to do that and then we got punished by a top top level team. You know, some of the goals they scored on transitions um, were very good from our perspective, obviously um, not so good. But I think it was uh, in the with the ambition to try and get back into the match and I thought we um, we didn't manage that part of the game very well at all. So there you have the words of Eddie Howe. You know, clearly frustrated. He's honest in, in his assessment. What did you make of his comments? Yeah, I think I think he got it spot on. To be fair, I think as we touched on before, you know, the first ten minutes weren't good enough, and and how recognised that. You know, they did grow up the game. They did have a foothold in it. And like you say, when this when they got that goal, you know, right before half time, I thought you know, perfect time to get it and. Maybe that just set the scene for the second half, you know, conceding so early. Spurs, you know, got themselves back in the game so early. And I think when, you know, when you concede two goals in the first six minutes of the second half, it's always going to be difficult. But I think, you know, how could have came out and, and you know, try to justify it? And he didn't really, you know, he, he knows that the players weren't good enough. He knows that, you know, defensively it was all over the place. And I think he, he probably knows himself that he got it wrong. You know, last night I wrote that, it's it was a rare sort of off day for him tactically, you know he doesn't he, he hasn't really had many you know too many bad days especially the last couple of months but I just thought tactically I just thought they were all over the place it looked like there just wasn't a concrete plan and it was just sort of a bit of a free fall especially when the sort of third and fourth goal went in. You wrote that five at the back works. You you looked at what happened to Chelsea and how Newcastle nearly got a result there. Do you? Do you mean in that instance that five at the back works against the bigger teams, the teams with this abundance of talent, or are you advocating five at the back as the way forward for you know against every team? No, I think I think against the bigger teams, I think how systems proved that it worked. I mean, you know, they were seconds away from getting a point at Chelsea using that technique. Um, you know, where they aren't sitting deep and they are putting a bit of pressure on. You've got the wing backs that can sort of do the attacking work as well. So I was surprised yesterday when the team sheet came out and he opted for four, you know, especially when Spurs have got that front three of Kulisevsky, Son and Kane. And we know Kane likes to drop deep. So, you know, you would have had another sort of centre-back in the in the five to go and sort of follow him. So I was just surprised that he that he changed it like that. Um, I thought the team selection itself was actually quite good when the team came out. Um, I think obviously we know Bruno didn't start because of, you know, his travelling, but... I think on the on the face of it, it was a strong team, but I couldn't really understand the, the swapping from the five to the four when, as you say, it worked really well against Chelsea. So I think maybe, you know, for Liverpool and City before the end of the season, it's probably, a, you know, a system to bring back in, you know, against those bigger teams. Let's talk about some of the changes during the game. We had John Shelby kind of drop back into it as, as the commentator said, a Beckenbauer role. And then we had... Jamal Sells come in, come onto the onto the pitch for for Chris Wood and and go into kind of a, a three man central defence kind of setup. 
interesting to say the least. I I have to say I think if the previous manager had done something something similar, he would have been highly criticised by a lot of people, especially the fan base on social media. What did you make of the changes? Yeah, I, 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 like I say when I when I wrote about this last night, I thought it was a bit scattergun. I think I thought it was a bit all over the place. Now, look, it's always tricky when you've had a team talk at half time, you told the lads what you want from them, and then six minutes later you're three one down. You're always sort of chasing the game at that point. And obviously, when the third goal went and he brought Bruno on, which you know fans are never going to be disappointed with, he brought Murphy on to try and sort of change it and obviously change the formation. The cells coming on, look, I think it was damage limitation at that point. But I do get what you mean. I think if, if that had been Bruce sort of chopping and changing like that, we, there would have been a lot more stick on social media. But I think, you know, yesterday at one point you had eight or nine different players trying to fill into that back four slash back five across a 40-minute period. And it, it there was just no sort of rhythm or there was no sort of reasoning behind it. It was just sort of trying to plug the gaps. And look, Spurs were brilliant. Spurs were fantastic Kane his passing was just ridiculous you know and when you've got Son running at the end of it it's always going to be dangerous but I thought Newcastle helped Spurs a lot and when they were like you say changing the back four and five every five ten minutes of the game and Shelby's dropping in and Murphy and Fraser and you know we're playing wing back it's there was just no rhythm and I think you know once it was three or four one it was just game over really yeah, and we'll concentrate on the defence for just a little bit longer. A lot of people talking about Dan Byrne. Some saying, look, you don't want to scapegoat. And we're not scapegoating yet, but I think it is important that we, we do talk about individual performances. Like He's been brilliant since he arrived from Brighton. Unfortunately for him, I don't think you can get away from the fact he's probably at fault for the goals against Chelsea and Everton. And then yesterday, arguably had the worst game since joining Newcastle United. Again, you've got to put in the context, like I say, since his arrival, he's largely been brilliant. But yesterday against Tottenham, he looked, he just looked a little, he didn't have that discipline that we've seen of late. There was a few off the ball things he was doing. And bear in mind, he was on a yellow card. He was very fortunate to maybe even be on the pitch by the end of the game. And it's, it's, it was a case, and not just him, I think other players began to lose their head a little bit. I know I was one of them that, kind of applauded Joe Linton for rushing in and, and shall we say, uh, gently removing a Spurs player from, from from a group. But it's that sort of ill-discipline which which really didn't help Newcastle. Joe Linton got booked for that and that meant he couldn't really, you know, lunge in and, 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 and dive in and, and challenges and stop Spurs as, as maybe he would have done had he not been cautioned. What did you first of all make of Dan Byrne's performance and then... Do you agree there was maybe a lack of discipline throughout the, the side, especially you know as we got further into the second half? Yeah, hundred percent. I think look when it comes to Dan Byrne, you can't deny that he has been fantastic since he came in. A good addition, you know, for not a lot of money. Um, you know, Brighton obviously very sad to lose him, and he's shown why. You know, he is a, a talent. I mean, I know during the international break there was people questioning, you know, should Southgate be considering him for the World Cup? He was probably at fault for the Chelsea goal. He dived in against Everton, and yesterday for the fifth goal, you know, he just lets Lucas Moura sort of drift past him as if he's not even there. So there is flaws in his game, and I think you can see why, you know, the ownership and how we're looking so hard to find like a top quality centre back in January. You know, the likes of Sven Botman and Diego Carlos. You know, Dan Byrne isn't at that level. Um, 
And he's another one where, you know, will we get a couple of years out of him and will he be moved on for, you know, sort of a bigger name come the time? Possibly. But look, he's he, he has hardly put a foot wrong since he came in. You know, he has made a couple of mistakes. But on the whole, um, I think Newcastle fans have been impressed with him. You know, he's a local lad. He's, he's clearly up for the fight. And I think should Newcastle get dragged back into it, you know, God forbid, he's a player that you would want sort of fighting for a team at the heart of the defence. But... Yeah, it was another bad day from yesterday, but yeah, you've got to hope that, you know, that those sort of errors don't sort of creep into this game, you know, more frequently. I think on the whole discipline, yeah, Byrne was just one of many that I think it just sort of, you know, lost their heads towards the end. You know, how we sort of had to make that Joe Linton change so early because he got booked in the first half for that push, which, you know, fans were, you know, applauding for. It's the type of passion you want, but... He fouled a Spurs player, you know, early on in the second half. And I think that was, you know, he was sort of lucky to not get a yellow card for that as well. So I think Howe didn't really have an option. And I think when you've got players, you know, sort of doing that, then it just makes the challenge even harder, doesn't it? So, yeah, just not a good day at the office, really, for for any of the players, I would say. Do we look at it and say, well, look, that's their fourth away game in a row. They've now got three home games coming up. You know, they need that bounce that playing at home can give you. That gives any side, let alone you know Newcastle, because of what the crowd at James Park brings to the club. So, do we look at it like that and say, look, it's been a hard few weeks, you know, and we now just look look ahead to Friday. Hopefully, the crowd can play their part, which I'm sure they, they will do. They always do. And Newcastle, the players have to channel that and hopefully get back to winning ways. I think, yeah, look. You know, we've had three away games on the on the bounce and, you know, two of them are at clubs that are, you know, challenging for the top four. So it was always going to be difficult. You would have liked to have hoped to at least get some points out of them, whether that was the, the draw at Chelsea or, you know, a draw or a win at Everton. But I think, uh, you know, a, a return to a home game is much needed. And I think given the sort of run of the last couple of weeks in James's Park, they'll be up for it on Friday. You know, they know that they've got that part to play against the Wolves team that are beatable. And, you know, you know it wouldn't be a shock if Newcastle did turn it round on Friday. Um, but I think it was just a shame yesterday, the manner of the performance. Yes, it was away. Yes, it was against Tottenham, who were in good form. But they had that two-week break in Dubai. And everybody thought, well, you know, get those two defeats out of your system. Have a nice little break away, a bit of bonding, you know, get some, you know, hard training done and then come back and... The performance yesterday sort of looked like a team that hadn't had a break at all, really. So that's probably a worrying aspect. But yeah, I think as you say, a home game's much needed, and uh, and yeah, Friday it'll be bouncing Friday night. So you've got to hope that that you know that changes I, things. I saw a few people on social media saying, "Well, look, yes, they've lost the last three. They didn't really deserve to lose against Chelsea, against Everton. Yes, they didn't capitalise on on the red card and." When you look at how Everton performed recently, goodness me, you do kind of scratch your heads. And you know that's a huge game, isn't it, against Burnley on Wednesday? I'm sure lots of Newcastle United fans will be watching with interest. And and then obviously you've got this game where yes, they did deserve to lose because the second half was, was was awful, but that's probably the worst second half of the last you know 10, 11 games. And you've got to look at what went before. You know, Eddie Howe has is, is set the bar so high. The players have shown what they can do when they work together and then put their all into it. So have we just got to be a little bit measured in the reaction to this defeat? Or is it right that we look a little bit further into it and say, well, actually, yeah, they were on a good run, but they have lost the last three on the bounce and, and Spurs was, was for some particularly alarming? 
I think Howe, in, in some ways, has been sort of a victim of his own success because, you know, he's came in, he's completely changed this team. You know, he's made them look a lot more steady and, you know, compact and disciplined. So, of course, when all of a sudden they revert back to type that, they, you know, we saw at the start of the season, how sort of thinks, well, how sort of gets the blame as and you know, has he really fixed them? So... The nature of the defeat yesterday, I think, has led to why, you know, there's been so much, you know, surprise. I think because of the collapse, that's probably why there's been so much talk of, our, you know, it's a reality check, blah, blah, blah. But I think if we do have to, you know, zoom out a bit and, you know, I think when the dust settles, we will look at it and think, look, that Tottenham team are going for top four. They've got world-class players. You know, I don't think many fans were going into that game yesterday expecting a win. I think, like I say, it's just the manner of the loss. So I think they'll be all right. I think they'll stay up comfortably, but it's just a little reminder that, you know, Eddie Howe is still working with a team that, you know, he's only had a couple of months with and that, you know, half of them aren't his players. So, yeah, I think a, a bit of sort of, a, a bit of zooming out and, and, and measured, you know, reactions probably needed. And Newcastle's still nine points above the drop zone. So they're still relatively comfortable but it is important as Eddie Howe has been doing just to remind everyone that there's still work to be done because you know Burnley have only played 28 games so they've got two games on hand in Newcastle um you know the the, the win those two will be you know just potentially six points uh it'll be uh, potentially just three points behind the Magpies so you know obviously there's there's a few teams below them who aren't in the best of form themselves Leeds United Everton Watford don't look like they're going to get out of it but Newcastle need to focus on the task in hand and need to to you would think another couple of wins just to get them over the line yeah 100% and I think after yesterday especially how will be drilling into players that look it isn't done yet and you know anybody thinking that they could just take the foot off the pedal you know it won't be sort of allowed like I say, I think they will be okay. The fixtures that they've got coming up, you know, I think if you look at it, Liverpool and Man City side, that they've got a favourable run in. Wolves is winnable. They've got Palace, they've got Norwich, which, you know, even though it's an away game, you'd hope that they'd win. So, look, I think we'll be all right. I think we just need to get over the line as soon as possible. And then it's just looking towards the summer. But I think if you look at the teams down the bottom in their form, you can't see Norwich catching them. You can't see Watford catching them. Burnley and Everton, you know, are in desperate need of revival. So it's just making sure they get over the line as soon as possible. Yeah, fingers crossed that happens as soon as possible. Just a little note to remind you guys that we're holding a live event on Thursday at the Tyneside Irish Centre. I'll pop the link for you to buy uh, tickets into the comments. You can uh, see it hopefully right now if you're watching live on Facebook, YouTube or Twitter. And I'll pop it into the podcast notes as well. If you're listening to the podcast later, please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. Totally free to do. Just helps us get the, the show out to a wider audience. Aaron is part of that panel on Thursday, as is the writer Kieran Kelly and the Daily Mirror's Simon Bird. Proceeds going to the NUFC Fans Food Bank and a chance for you guys to win a signed Newcastle United shirt by the current squad. So that's up for raffle. And again, the proceeds there will be going to the Food Bank, which are very grateful of your donations. Um, let's talk about Alan St. Max when he has been the talking point of late. Aaron, again, he was guilty of giving the ball away at times yesterday. It just didn't click for him. Uh, but good to see him back into the squad. And I guess when Newcastle did look a threat, it was 
probably down to him. And there was times when Spurs really couldn't handle him. He was fouled quite a lot in that first half. So again, we probably saw the good and the bad of Alan St. Maxwell. And it goes back to what most people have been saying. You've just got to take the good with the bad. Yeah, I was glad to see him back from the start. You know, he's missed the last couple of games and I think he's wanted himself to prove a point that he's, you know, still the man that they can rely on. I just think yesterday's game didn't really suit him. I thought first half when the game was tight and Newcastle had a bit of the ball, like say he was the bright spark. Him and Joe Willock were probably the, the men that were going to, you know, create anything. But I think once the game goes to 3-1 and 4-1 and Newcastle are just chasing shadows and the formation's getting switched about, I don't think he's the man that, I don't think it suits his game. And I think, you know, I think at one point yesterday he was up front on his own and that again doesn't suit him. So, yeah, it was it was probably a poor game from him, but I think it was a poor game from everyone. And I think Wolves on Friday is when he really needs to sort of turn up and show that he's back and, you know, he's he's sort of, we can put the doubters to rest. So I think it was just one of those days where he didn't have much of the ball second half and he couldn't really impact the game as he usually does. But great to see him back. Hopefully, you know, he can sort of find that form that he had in the middle part of the season because when he's obviously firing, he's he's one of the first names on the team sheet. But it's just, as we talked on last week, it's just that sort of inconsistency that, that lets his game down. It's difficult, isn't it? Because you felt, and Antonio Conte pointed this out as well, that the Newcastle's plan was to frustrate Spurs and then hit them on the counter-attack. So you need Ants at maximum to be that outlet. He will get the ball and he'll burst forward and he'll take the team forward. But at the same time, to have that to work, you kind of need the player in his position to be helping out the defender behind him. And there was several times when the space over by my target was was alarming. And you could see Spurs at times were just targeting because the new Alan St. Maxman uh, wasn't getting back quick enough. And, you know, it's 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 a really difficult one. And it's one of those decisions and, and approaches by Eddie Howe, which this is this is exactly why he gets paid the big money because I'm sitting there watching it and getting a little bit frustrated. And Eddie Howe has got to try and balance, I guess, the lack of defensive output with what he could potentially do Alan St. Maxman going forward. But... By goodness me, it's not an easy one and not an easy decision to to make an easy an easy approach to to make work, is it? Not at all, because you know Alison Maxman's so good going forward, and he's a proper bright spark, and he can lift a game and he can change game on his own. But like you say, when you need someone to do that sort of defensive graft, he's sort of left wanting. You know, Miggy came back in for the the two games with Chelsea and Everton, and that probably was because he can offer that bit more defensively. He'll do the run and he'll do the hard graft. Yes, he doesn't have the end product that St. Maxman has, but he adds more balance to the team. And I think that's always going to be the debate with St. Maxman is, does he just sort of leave other positions a bit vulnerable? Does he sort of make the team a bit weaker as a whole? Yes, look, as I've said, he can change games when he's got the ball at his feet, but when he doesn't, you're sort of wondering whether, you know, he's a player that house sort of is thinking. He, he just sort of... Yeah, he just sort of makes the team a bit imbalanced. So it's going to be that age-old debate. As we, again, we touched on last week, he's always going to defy opinion. Um, he's always going to, you know, it's always going to be one of those questions of should we cash in, should we keep him, build a team around him. But yeah, yesterday just wasn't his game, and you know he's really got to show against Wolves that he can that he can deliver because fans are just starting to question a bit as to whether he's the you know the sort of the man they thought he was. Roger here. Asks you, Aaron, you say that the game didn't suit Alan St. Maximum, so he asks you, what games do you think does and how would Eddie 
Howe know that? Well, I assume Eddie Howe would know that because he'd be working on the, on the training ground. But in, in your opinion, what games do do does suit uh, Alan St. Maximum? I think the games against lesser teams where Newcastle are going to have a lot of the ball and they can just sort of give it to him and, and hope that he can sort of attack defences. But I think when games like that, when you're chasing the game and you're not going to have much of the ball, you know, that is what he offers. He, he only offers stuff when he's got the ball at his feet. So if Newcastle are going to spend the time, you know, with 30% possession and, you know, camped on their own half, I just feel like it doesn't suit him. Yes, he's brilliant on the counter and yes, you can ping balls to him, but you know, yesterday, whenever he was sort of getting in good positions, you know, Chris Wood wasn't offering anything because he sort of couldn't. Joe Willock was a bit, but only really from the first half. So I think the games where we see St. Maximin at his best are the games at St. James's Park when you've got the likes of Wolves or Everton and he's got a lot of the ball and he can sort of dazzle the crowd and feed off that. But I don't think against away against the big six clubs, I don't think you get the best out of them. Yeah, and like you say, he wasn't the only person that didn't turn up yesterday. There were it's very hard to actually pick anyone that did. I mean, I thought Bruno came off the bench and, and added something. A colleague here in the Chronicle Live Towers told me he thought exactly the opposite. So that shows you it's a proper game of opinion, isn't it? I just want to talk briefly about John Joe Shelby because he's been superb since Eddie Howe was come in. But I thought yesterday was another one of those where we saw the John Joe Shelby roll. There was a few Hollywood passes which so he tried one, it didn't come off. And then two minutes later, he tried another and it didn't come off. And they are, they are superb when they come off. But it wasn't the game when Newcastle United needed that. They needed just, you know, small, quick, intricate passes, you know. And it was a bit frustrating to see him. I, and I get, you know, it was a frustrating day for all. At that point, Newcastle were, were not in, in the game, really. Um, but it's one of those, isn't it, where you just think, even though you are looking like you're going to lose the game. Do you really need to be bombing 40-yard passes, you know, and that it's not going to come off? And I, I did just feel he slipped into the John Joe Shelby of old. Yeah, it was a shame to say, because like you say, the last couple of months he's been much improved, you know. I remember the first game after the takeover was Spurs when he, you know, came off the bench and lunged into that tackle and got sent off. And I remember saying, you know, he, he's not, he hasn't really got a future here. But he has been very, very good. Again, Yesterday was it a game that didn't suit him. I think just like St. Maximum, I think Shelby's at his best when he can sort of spray those Hollywood passes and he sort of feeds off that confidence of when one or two of them go right. You know, he sort of, you know, he has one of those games where you look at him and think, why can't you play it like that every week? So, yeah, it's it was a difficult one. I think, you know, Newcastle and Shelby wasn't the only one. They weren't even getting the five-yard passes right. Um, you know, never mind the sort of 40-yard balls over the top. So, it doesn't also help when he's getting shifted, you know, in the centre back and back in midfield and stuff. So it was a shame, but I don't think you can fault Shelby because you know he's had his critics and the last sort of three months he's been a big part of why Newcastle have been, you know, been been playing so well. And I guess you know the reason why we are sitting here and maybe just asking questions about Dan Byrne, about Anson Maxim, about John Joe Shelby, it goes back to to what you and I and what I've written uh, a few weeks ago is that. Eddie Howe has set the bar so high and these players have have, have kind of matched his expectation and they've shown us what they can do. So when they do put in a performance like this where, you know, individually and collectively, they, they're not as good as they have been recently, even as, you know, as good, as well as performing the Chelsea game and they lost that game, it, it, it does maybe come to light a bit more than it would have done maybe under Steve Bruce or when Eddie Howe first started because, you know, the bar hadn't been set very high. The, you know, we weren't expecting too much of them. But now they've shown us what they can do. 
when they do perform badly, they you know we, they, they may get criticised a little bit more. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it goes with the territory when you have so many wins and you have, you know, they had a three month period of you know going unbeaten really. So when all of a sudden that comes crashing down and you know it's three defeats on the on the bounce, course players are going to be getting questioned. You're going to be looking at them thinking, you know, are they really as good as they have been the last couple of months? And I think it's just, um, I think it's just one of those where you know they are humans and you've got to remember this is the same team pretty much apart from four or five players that Steve Bruce had and that were really struggling at the start of the season. So I think, like you say, they've had three months of playing well and they've been you know in really good form three defeats on the bounce, it's just natural that fans and, and sort of us in the media are going to start saying, well, you know, this player isn't playing it well, blah, blah, blah. And I think now it's just about putting it right. You know, big, big chance to do that Friday. And I think you've just got to hope that the players are up for it. Yeah, 100%. And we've got there uh, Tom Ansel saying, let's just get back home, see how we go. We've been great on, on, on a, we've been on a great run that had to end at some point. I guess that is the kind of realistic uh, approach you need to, to take with these results and we'll finish here on a comments from Antonio Chappas on Facebook and I think actually this is also another element to the reaction to yesterday's game against Spurs and he says it'll take us at least three years to get to Spurs' level and you've kind of alluded to it as well Aaron they're a good side they've just started to find form at the right time they're two best players and Son and Harry Kane a few months ago they weren't gelling as well as they have been in previous seasons now. They are doing just that. And it was always going to be a tough task. And Newcastle, really, the team that played, if you look at the players that were there, they only had, what, Dan Byrne, Matt Target, and um, Chris Wooden. So, you know, there's not been huge There's not been huge in terms of players coming in. And it's not like they had Kieran Trippier in as well, and they've signed loads of players. So it is a work in progress. And I guess, you know, when you compare where Spurs are, the team Spurs have got, what they're aiming for, you know, it was always going to be difficult, wasn't it? Yeah, 100%. You know, we've gone to the capital, having lost two games in a row, Spurs have found their feet. And look, at the end of the day, we're playing a team that are, you know, managed by a Premier League winner and a Serie A winner. So there is just levels to it. And I think, you know, I did touch on it earlier before, you know, all of a sudden, once, you know, Newcastle are playing well and we're, you know, climbing up the table and we're away from the drop, seemingly, Attention always already you know naturally turns to next season and all oh, we need to be challenging for the top ten and all oh, we could maybe creep in at the top six next season. I think that comment is right. I think it will be years until we're really matching the likes of Tottenham and Arsenal and Liverpool. It's a work in progress, and I think games like yesterday, as Eddie Howe touched on, by the way, I think when we look at this game in a couple of months' time, it will probably be a positive because. It's just a reminder that Newcastle United are still a mid-table team with a mid-table squad at the moment. So I think games like that are sometimes just needed just to keep the feet on the floor, really. Yeah, well, fingers crossed they can get back to winning ways this Friday against Wolves. We will have the preview podcast later this week. That'll go up on Wednesday. We'll also hopefully have an opposition view as well. And again, our live event on Thursday kicks off at 7.30 at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Do head over to the website to buy tickets. It's going to be a great night to talk about Newcastle United. And Aaron's excited to, to meet some of our listeners, some of our readers and in person as well, aren't you, Aaron? I know you're looking forward to uh, to the event. Yeah, 100%. It's my first live event with the team. So yeah, it'll be good, obviously, chat all things Newcastle with 
some like-minded fans. So yeah, and if anyone, of course, wants to buy us a pint in the Irish Centre, they're, they're more than welcome. So yeah, come yeah. along, definitely. They do a wonderful pint of Guinness, as I'm sure many of our viewers and listeners know. So I'll pop that link to get comments, uh, to get tickets into the comments. Do head over, and like I said, that £5 goes towards the NUC fans, food bank, and uh, that will help feed a family of, uh, I think it's three, four, four weeks. So it really does help the most vulnerable in our community. And again, just please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider. And finally, head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where we will keep you up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news including all the fallout to yesterday's results Spurs and all the build-up looking ahead to Friday's game with Wolves. <laughs>